Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. After 13 years in government, five prime ministers and eight secretaries of state, it looks like the Conservatives are finally losing grip on power. The Prime Minister said he was going to lose a thousand seats and then he managed it. After 13 years, a Tory promise they actually haven't broken. With Labour 20 points clear in the polls, Keir Starmer is on course to be the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Well, vote 2023, Labour now the biggest party of local government as a result of these local elections. But what does it mean for Northern Ireland? Is Starmer the man to reunite the union after a decade of political turbulence? Um, As you probably know, I worked in Northern Ireland for five years, so I know Northern Ireland very, very well. Spent a lot of time there recently um, talking through what the issues are with the protocol at length. Can he convince the DUP to return to Stormont? My question is about uh, dealing with the legacy of the conflict. But it's a direct question. If you are elected Prime Minister, will you repeal that bill? Uh, yes. Um, but, but let me... But will Northern Ireland be near the bottom of his priority list? I think, you know, we owe it to the people of Northern Ireland to get on and fix this. Um, they're desperate to have this um, fixed. They deserve to have it fixed. And we need to fix it for the whole of the um, UK. I'm your host, Keith Bailey, and on today's Bell Tell, I'm joined by political commentators David McCann and Sarah Crichton. David, the latest polls show that Labour are 20 points ahead of the Conservatives, 45% to 25. Is it inevitable that Labour will win the next general election and that Keir Starmer will be the United Kingdom's next Prime Minister? Well, if you look at the rule of thumb since the war of British governments, only once has a government done um, uh, more than three terms in office. So the current Conservative government is 13 years in. So that puts them on par with the Churchill, Eden, Macmillan years in the 50s and early 60s. Um, uh, If they do win next year, um, that will be their 14th year in power. And that would put them on par with the Thatcher major years, which was 18 whole years um, uh, in office. Now, the Tories have only ever done that once. In fact, they are the only party since the war to spend that long um, in office. So if you look at the rule of thumb, typically around 10 to 13 year period is when uh, governments change in um, Britain. And uh, the Tories will be by next year. Um, when the general election is expected uh, to be 14 years in, in office. So that is typically the time when uh, parties do lose office, but the, the Tories have won um, and extended their run in, in office. In 1992, they were able to, in their 13th year in office, uh, win a fourth term. 
And at the moment, it seems like Labour are, are soaring ahead in the polls, as we said. Um, is this upboost in support for Labour, is it more to do with the Conservatives and, and their performance in government than, than what Keir Starmer's doing? Well, it's always famously said that oppositions don't win elections, governments lose them. And you have to hand it to the Conservative Party that really since 2022, they have done everything to hand this election um, to Labour with three prime ministers in three years, all the chaos that has happened. Um, uh, it, it, it really is down to the Conservative Party's mishandling of certain issues because we forget in 2021, the middle of 2021, the Tories were ahead of Labour. It was Keir Starmer who was under pressure. The Tories actually won a by-election in 2021 from the Labour Party, and it looked like that Boris Johnson was going to cruise to another election victory. It looked like Labour were in deep, deep trouble. But then, of course, Partygate happened, uh, the revelations about parties during the lockdowns uh, in 2020 in uh, Downing Street. And after that moment, uh, Boris Johnson fell behind uh, Keir Starmer in the polls and Labour have been consistently ahead. Um, uh, they started off in the middle of 2022, averaging a lead of six to seven points, which isn't that particularly spectacular. You know, governments have been that far behind in the past and have come back. But really, once Boris Johnson left and Liz Truss came in, that's where you started seeing Labour racking up leads of 15 to 20 points. And when you start seeing that consistently being repeated, which we have seen now over the past nine to 10 months, it's just very difficult for a government to come back from that. Uh, governments have come back from leads like that before, but it very rarely happens. We're now seeing consistent polls that are showing uh, Labour uh, being at the very least the largest party in the next um, House of Commons. The one thing that we're kind of disputing and debating at the minute is will Labour gain enough seats to get an overall majority because in the first past the post system, um, it's very hard for oppositions to win outright um, uh, when they're as far back as Labour is. Because don't forget, Labour had a very bad election in 2019. They need to win a lot of seats just to get over the line. They need to win north of 110 seats just to get a two vote majority in the House of Commons. So again, what we're really looking at now is can Labour get that north of 110 seats that they really need to be able to form a majority government and to do better than that because a two-vote majority isn't really going to get them very far throughout a five-year parliament. So can they win north of 130, 140 seats that they would need to win to get a comfortable majority? And if they were able to do that, David, what would it mean for Northern Ireland? Obviously, traditionally, the Conservatives have enjoyed a positive relationship with unionism and, and vocally supported Northern Ireland's place within the union. While Labour is a pro-union party, they've always been a little bit more sympathetic to the nationalist cause. Um, am I talking in cliches here or does that analysis still ring true in 2023? Well, the blip that really came was Jeremy Corbyn. The DUP had always worked really well with the Labour government um, uh, under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. In fact, actually, in some really close votes when Labour were facing some big rebellions um, from their backbench, the DUP's eight or nine MPs voted with Labour um, and actually got some of those key bills through um, uh, for Labour in that 05 to 2010 Parliament. So, you know, the, the, if you speak to people in the DEP, had the, had the 2017 election, um, uh, had that result happened, but Labour had had a different leader, many people in the DEP would have said, look, we would have had no problem dealing with Labour if the price was right. Um, uh, so say we do get a hung Parliament um, next time and say, say we get a 2010-style result where Labour come very close to a majority and they are clearly the largest party, 
Um, the DUP, I don't think, would um, uh, would be hesitant at all to deal with Keir Starmer. Uh, they get on pretty well with Peter Kyle, who's the Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary. Um, so, no, I don't think there's any ideological issues there. Keir Starmer has said, uh, he's repeated that, uh, that he is pro-union. The Labour Party has got no interest in holding a border poll. And they've got no interest in holding a border poll for a very simple reason. Uh, the SNP's main rivals in Scotland are the Labour Party. And the problem for Labour is that they would fear if they reopened the constitutional debate in Northern Ireland, that would spill over into Scotland. And, and Labour feel like that for the first time in nearly a decade, they've got the SNP on the ropes. Because don't forget, there's no pathway to a majority government for Labour without winning substantially more seats in Scotland. And the way they do that is by taking down SNP MPs. That, that they are, that, that's the party they need to beat. So, so they are going to be reticent about reopening anything constitutional because, of course, what would happen in Northern Ireland would reverberate across the North Channel um, uh, to Scotland. If we assume the stalemate in Stormont remains by the time Labour come into power, which is obviously, you know, we, we don't know whether that'll be the case or not, but always a possibility... How much of a priority is restoring devolution likely to be for Keir Starmer? We remember that the last Labour leader, uh, Tony, the last Labour leader to win a general election, Tony Blair, he was one of the architects of the Good Friday Agreement. So Stormont is part of Labour's legacy. It is, and not many people would have thought that Tony Blair would have taken a great interest in Northern Ireland when he came in in 1997. You know, if if you had asked. Um, what you thought his priorities were going to be. Northern Ireland probably would not have featured in the top five of what people thought he was going to focus his attention on. But yet, as you rightly point out there, Keith, um, uh, Labour, it was something that, that he became synonymous with. What I think Labour will do that will be helpful to Northern Ireland is I think Labour will move the UK in terms of regulation and alignment closer to the European Union. A lot of people would say, well, why, why would that help? Eventually, I think that will mean that the Windsor Framework deal, if if the UK moves closer in alignment uh, to the EU, um, if if that happens, the Windsor Framework, I think, will essentially become wrapped into whatever formal trade agreement that a Labour government will strike with the European Union. And if that happens, and that will get folded into it, it makes that issue kind of null and void. It makes the sea border less of an issue in terms of regulatory differences. If the UK is closer um, uh, to the EU, which I think Labour would be keen to do. So I think in terms of that, uh, that's where the benefit would come. Now, the only problem for us here is that trade agreements are going to take time. Uh, that's going to take a bit of um, a bit of uh, work to do. So that would be years away. So the real fear here is that the DUP punt on that, but that a trade agreement may be sitting here maybe two, three, four years after the election of a Labour government, um, uh, with with a trade with a trade deal still being finalised, because of course um, one thing that we've known uh, from the Brexit process is that trade agreements take an awful long time. It's not something that you can just whip out very quickly. Um, uh, but I would imagine that's how Labour will help restore power here, or maybe sustain power here um, in the longer term, is by that closer arrangement with the European Union, which essentially makes the Windsor framework um, a little bit less of a prevalent um, issue. Let's talk Secretary of State. The current Shadow Secretary of State is Peter Kyle. Is he likely to be Starmer's man on the ground in the case of a, a Labour win? Or, or do you see there are other possible candidates who might come and take that post? Well, it's hard to know in terms of because a party that wins an election brings in a whole host of new talent with it. Now, Mo Mullen was the Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary and she remained on in that role, of course, 
um, uh, and kept that role. Owen Patterson was the Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary under David Cameron, and of course he got the role when the Tories came back to power in 2010. I would imagine so. Northern Ireland Secretary isn't exactly a big prize cabinet post. It's not something that um, um, that many people jostle for and wrestle for. Uh, I think only Julian Smith is someone who has really reveled in their time in the Northern Ireland office. And why is that the case? Well, it's not a big spending department. It's not a department with a lot of um, a lot of heft, even within the, the regional um, uh, secretaries of state. So if you think about the Welsh Secretary, Scottish Secretary and Northern Ireland Secretary, the Northern Ireland Secretary would probably be the lowest ranked out of out of all those secretaries of state. Northern Ireland Secretary has typically been a springboard uh, for um, a bigger office. So if you look at people like Merlin Rees, for example, who was a Labour Northern Ireland Secretary, he went on to become Home Secretary. Owen Patterson went on to become the Environment Secretary. Um, uh, Peter Hayne, for example, went on to become Work and Pension Secretary. Uh, so it's typically something that people go on. It's a bigger job. So Peter Cal would want to do a good job. He would want to be someone who will really kind of keep Northern Ireland off the desk of the Prime Minister uh, for most of the time. And if he does do a good job, he would probably look at it as maybe 18 months down the line, he would get reshuffled to a bigger department. So that's kind of really how, um, how Peter Cal will likely view um, uh, becoming Northern Ireland Secretary. It's a spot in the Cabinet, but with the hope to a bigger promotion down the line. David McCann, thank you very much. And now we're going to be joined by political commentator Sarah Crichton. Sarah, thanks for joining us on the Bell Tell. Now, let's imagine it's a day after the general election. Keir Starmer has just won a clear majority. His in-tray is full. It's got cost of living crisis, public sector strikes, climate change, war in Ukraine. Where does Northern Ireland sit in his list of priorities? I'd say it will be fairly low down his list of priorities, but I can't see it being the bottom um, because I think that Keir Starmer, I'm hoping... Um, may be inclined to start to take a more pragmatic position on Brexit. So I, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to you know, campaign for the UK to rejoin the single market of the customs union. But I think, I'm hoping that he will maybe start to do things like SBS deals, that type of thing. That links into the protocol. And I think, you know, I think if he could... If he could sort that out, I think that will be something he could show as a Labour win, that Labour has maybe resolved this issue. And especially, I think, if he was able to restore devolution... In Northern Ireland, you know, so for instance, if he was able to move the UK closer to the EU, maybe slightly then mitigate the protocol, mitigate the Menzo framework at the DUP, go, oh, okay, well, constitutionally, we're now in a better place and they go back in. I think he would like that as a win, but I can't see it being like the first big thing on his entry. You know, we're just, who wants to deal with this mess? <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't see him being like, yes, got to get the storm in. So, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think it'll be his bottom of his entry, but you know, I can't see it coming above, you know, cost of living and Ukraine and everything like that. And do you think he would be willing to try and renegotiate elements of the, the Windsor framework with the EU to try and make it more palatable to the DUP? I mean, the Conservatives seem to say that's off the table at the moment. It's hard to tell. I, I'm, I'd like to hope that he would try because I think, I feel like the European Union would, well, I mean, I mean, the European Union is as cutthroat as, as the United Kingdom, let's be honest, but I could see the European Union maybe saying, well, you know, we're we're more willing for a closer relationship. They have always said that, you know, we're we're willing to offer you slightly more um conciliatory terms as long as you're aligning more closely to our rules. And the problem the UK always have is that the UK wanted to have the best of both worlds um and be out but not have to, you know, follow any rules and not have to have any trade barriers up. So I'm um, I feel like the EU maybe would talk to Starmer on those terms, but at the same time, 
um, the EU, like the British government, I think has very much gone, right, we're done with this. We need to move on. And, I, you know, the, the world is moving on. The European Union has many, many other priorities other than Northern Ireland as well. Um, the Southern government seems very happy with the Windsor framework at this point in time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the EU would maybe do it if he was coming from a different perspective of saying we're coming from, you know, a much more relaxed view. And not, we're not going to be beholden to Brexit purity. Absolutely. I suppose you might be more willing to deal with Labour. They've obviously had like yeah. a, a fractious relationship with the Conservatives over yeah. the last post Brexit, so there might be might be more uh, more willingness to work on on their yeah, part. Yeah, I hope so. Um, another element, and I guess something that might be an easy win for Starmer in terms of Northern Ireland is repealing the legacy bill or, or not allowing it to go through. I mean, that's something he's already pledged that he would he would do. He has pledged he would do that, but um, when we would come on to this, Keir Starmer has a habit of saying he will do something and then completely changing his mind overnight. Um, I, I wouldn't, uh, I'm not putting any faith in that, to be honest with you, but I sincerely hope he does. Um, the legacy bill is absolutely ridiculous. It, it is an absolute travesty, and I sincerely hope that he does. I suppose my concern would be that, um, not my, I suppose not my concern is the wrong word for it, but if this legacy bill is passed and then he goes into office and over, you know, pledges to overturn this, you know, I feel like the Tory press would start to push back against it and say, oh, Keir Starmer wants our soldiers prosecuted, that type of nonsense. Um, but I, I hope he does stick to his guns, but maybe we'll come on to this. Keir Starmer has a habit of being a bit of a flip-flopper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of, I suppose with, with Brexit, there's been a great deal of turbulence uh, at Westminster. We've had a push for Scottish independence and the growth uh, for support in an Irish reunification. Is there a possibility that Keir Starmer could be the man that kind of brings the union back together? You know, because he's, he's likely to win votes in Scotland and, and do well in Wales, you know, areas that maybe the Conservatives have struggled in. Hmm. I think there's 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 two parts to this. I mean, first of all, yes, it looks likely that he's going to get in. It looks likely that he will maybe get more votes in Scotland for Labour, though I still can't see the SNP having a massive catastrophic defeat course come back <laughs> in a couple of years' time if that is the case. Sarah got it wrong, but I can still see the SNP doing well. But yeah, I, I do think now's the time for Labour in Scotland to do well. Um and Wales as well, Labour have, have been doing very well. You know, I think the First Minister there has has done well, but mostly, to be honest, because he set himself apart from Westminster, to be honest. But yeah, if Keir Starmer can do votes in Wales. So yeah, I, I do think there's a huge desire across the country to have the Tories out. Um, and I think certainly there will be a bit of a sigh of a relief. Um, certainly in Northern Ireland, you know, a lot of the unity case... Um, Part of it is built around the Tories and the fact that the Tories are in office and have made an absolute hordex of Brexit and not only Brexit, but the past 13 years. So certainly I think that a Labour government would help in that regard. But to be honest with you, I mean, you look at the policies that Labour is trying to put forward, you look at what they're pledging to do, which is very little in terms of reversing the Tories' policies. They're not willing to reverse austerity. They're not willing to, you know, reverse the two-child tax credit limit. They're seemingly uh, in support of their immigration policies. You know, I don't really see substantively what Labour are going to change other than maybe be a wee bit nicer. And, you know, the Irish unity case, which, I mean, I disagree with you. I don't think there's growing support for it, but I do think obviously the support has grown from where it was prior to 2016. Absolutely no doubt about that. But the case, the other part of the unity case that is being made is that the United Kingdom is now a poor country, that it is a nation with low wages, low productivity. Um, and obviously I could sit here and list all the negatives about the Republic of Ireland, which has very, very similar problems. But if Keir Starmer is not willing to actually reverse the economic policies of this country that has been in place since 
for about 13, 14 years, the United Kingdom is not going to be in any better place, in my view. And in that case sense, I don't think the case of union is going to grow. You've tapped into something there because, I mean, obviously the Conservatives are, are unpopular and we have a point now where Labour are, are 20 points ahead of them in the polls. But it feels to me like that isn't because Labour or Keir Starmer have done anything particularly spectacular. They've just been there. What does this Labour Party and what does Keir Starmer stand for? Because with Jeremy Corbyn, you knew yeah. very clearly what they stood for. Even Tony Blair and New Labour, you know, that they were a clear set of ideas. What does this version of the Labour Party stand for? Well, well that is the question. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would struggle to give you an answer. You know, when he ran, he ran on, you know, quite a decent left-wing platform. You know, he was in support of the trade unions and he was in support of reversing a lot of Tory policies. Um, but he wasn't He wasn't Corbyn. And I said, I I actually didn't mind Corbyn's policies. I, did. I wasn't a fan of Corbyn himself. I just didn't think he was competent. Um, but he was he was kind of advocating himself as a, a, a left-wing candidate that was credible, that could do these things, that could maybe appeal to people. And since then, he's just tossed everything to one side. You know, they don't support nationalising the industries anymore. You know, the green policies have been reversed. As I said, he doesn't really support a reverse in austerity. You know, I, I really do. I don't really know what this Labour Party truly stands for. And it almost feels like he's afraid to be the Labour leader. You know, you're, you're the left-wing candidate, you know. And yes, look, the left has always had... Unfortunately, a credibility problem. You know, it just doesn't get the same benefit of the doubt of the doubt that the right has. You know, you can't just you, know, you can come up with with a what I would say would be a lot of sensible left wing policies, and people will go, "Oh, hang on a minute." So, look, you know, sometimes you have to pivot a little bit to the centre to win elections. Unfortunately, but you don't need to toss aside your principles. You don't need to 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 completely change who you are. And and you know, I, I think most people kind of could accept somebody saying to them, "Look, you know, these these big policies like nationalisation." You know, it'll maybe take 10, 20 years time. You know, it's gonna, it's not going to happen overnight, but that's fine. But, you know, tell us where you're going. And I think that's the thing. I don't know what I don't know what the Labour Party's vision is for the UK, I suppose. So I, I agree with you. You know, I think that the fact that Labour are doing so well, I don't think it's because of anything that Labour have done. I just think that the Tories have just messed up so badly that the people in the country are just like, we cannot have these people anymore and I think that's why Labour have grown um, but it's interesting to see though what will happen come next year when we do have a general election whether that holds out and whether the Tories are going to double down on cultural war issues and whether that will people will go out to the country and I am I do think that the more Labour alienates its base its left wing base you know you look at that by election in Oxbridge where Labour lost by a short number of votes and obviously there were multiple parties running but Labour should have really won that and it didn't We've talked a little bit about the DEP's relationship with Labour. What sort of relationship are Sinn Féin likely to enjoy with a, a new Labour government? Obviously, they you know they had a relationship with Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn's been in, in Belfast at um, at Villa in the last in the last couple of weeks. Are, are Sinn Féin likely to enjoy a good relationship with Keir Starmer, or, or are they poles apart now? Um, Keir Starmer has said that he would campaign for the union in a border poll. Um, which I mean, Jeremy Corbyn's in favour of United Ireland. So, I mean, I don't really see... I, I, some people say it's a breach of the Good Friday Agreement, which is just absolute nonsense. You know, the, I, I think the British government has to be impartial in how it maintains a border poll, but it doesn't have to, you know, doesn't have to stay behind and not campaign for the union. I, I, you know, so in that sense, yes, Sinn Féin and Starmer are poles apart on that. But Sinn Féin are shrewd. Sinn Féin, you know, if, if Labour are in government, you know, Sinn Féin will, will, will have develop a relationship with them. I can't see it being a bad relationship. I certainly think it would be, a, it has to be a better relationship than the one they've got with the government at the moment. So um, I think Sinn Féin, will get, Sinn Féin will get on with them fine as long as Labour, I think, um, when it comes to issues on the union, the constitutional issue, don't maybe overstep the mark or do something stupid. I think as long as Labour, you know, 
talk to both communities in Northern Ireland and actually listen to both communities in Northern Ireland, which the Tories just have not done. Um, hopefully it will be a healthy relationship going forward. One of the interesting aspects of this is that the Labour Party are actually considering running candidates in Northern Ireland. Now, the Conservatives have been doing that since 1992 with very little success. Yeah. It seems unlikely that Labour would have any success. We have a, a, a packed field already in Northern Ireland in terms of political parties. What's the thinking behind that? Why are Labour pushing to, to perhaps run candidates here? I mean, there's there's always been a big a big push here from the Labour Party supporters in Northern Ireland for Labour to run here, and a lot of people say, you know, that uh, they've never had that opportunity. And despite the fact that they pay their fees, the Labour Party they just they haven't had the chance to go to the ballot box and vote for them. And um, it may be an indication of Labour trying to show that it is a bit more pro union. Possibly, Keir Starmer trying to outflank the Tories on that issue. Possibly, but. At the same time, you think, well, how many voters in Britain actually care? Uh, very little. I imagine it may just be a PR exercise. It may just be something for Labour to say, oh, look, look at us trying to get into Northern Ireland. Um, you know, I, th- I know a lot of people that will be quite excited to vote for Labour over here, but I can't see them doing really well just because politics here is so different and that kind of alternative vote, you know, I'm not voting unionist, I'm not voting nationalist. I kind of feel like that's what they would be aiming for. Um, I think it's already kind of sewn up by Alliance and the Greens. Um, unless, you know, Labour come over and try to market themselves as a more progressive pro-union party. Don't know, possibly. Maybe try and steal some of those Aust-Unionist votes, possibly some of those Alliance votes, maybe. But um, I think it will be interesting if they do it. But I do notice there's also a pushback from some of the left wing of the party as well in England saying, you know, no, you know, we've maintained this neutral position because the constitutional connection Labour has always been I mean, it's let's be honest. It's been always been a little bit more sympathetic to the nationalist cause in Northern Ireland, um, as it's perfectly entitled to do so. Um, so maybe Keir Starmer will not go forward with that. But I think it is interesting, though. You know, personally speaking, uh, you know, I can't believe if Labour do run, it's going to be for Starmer. But yeah. <laughs> there we go. I mean, could it affect relationships that Labour Party have with you know the, the UUP or the Alliance? Because that's kind of the territory that they're likely to be getting into. Well, I mean, it's sister parties, the SDLP. Yeah. Let's not forget as well. So the SDLP might take exception to that. The SDLP say, "Well, hang on, we're the Labour. If you want to vote for Labour, you vote for us." Actually, so you're actually you're doing us side of a vote. Um. It could possibly, that's the only thing I could think of that it, because of the way Labour would come over, it wouldn't, it will be pro union, but I can't see it being big unionist party and competing with the DUP and the Ulster Unionists for those types of unionist votes. I, I, that's the only route I could see them going down where they would maybe try and compete with Alliance and the Greens for votes. Um, and as I say, maybe siphon off some of the softer Ulster Unionist votes. Um, but it's, um, it would be an interesting to see how they position themselves over here and what they go for. And finally, Keir Starmer, he worked here for five years. He does have a, you mm. know, an interest, a relationship in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Do you think that could play a part in things? Is that Will that make him more motivated to try and have an impact here? Or is, it, is that just part of his life? No, I, I, I do think, um, you know, despite any, any issues I have with him politically, you know, he, he was involved in the review into Maria Cahill's case and things like that. Did a really, really good job. You know, I do think he has a very genuine interest in Northern Ireland. And I think... You know, one of the biggest complaints we all have over here is that our politicians in Westminster don't really pay much attention to Northern Ireland, don't really know Northern Ireland. And the politicians that we've kind of taken to, you know, that we've kind of really liked, like Momolum, um, you know, Julian Smith in a very different way. You know, it's I think it's because people thought, well, they actually care, you know, they actually give a toss about us. So I think if Keir Starmer was to show, actually, I do get this place, I'm going to make an effort to get to know people. I'm not going to go over here and talk at us. I think it might help 
his personal relationship and I think it might help especially with issues like the Windsor Framework and getting Storm back I think it will help if he can do that and he shows that he's not just going to be um, one-sided or sympathetic to one or the other so hopefully it will help him Sarah Crichton thank you for joining me on The Bell Tell Today's episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself Keith Bailey with sound design by Graham Davidson the clips you heard come from the Sky News and The Guardian Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.